Hey there, folks. Does the slower-than-expected fall in U.S. inflation suggest a possible delay in Federal Reserve actions? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Hey there, great to be with you wherever you're joining us from, also on Ticker Today. How are Chinese stocks poised to react following their return from the Lunar New Year? But first... We begin talking about the global economic dynamics continuing to shift. As U.S. inflation now lingers impacting Fed Reserve expectations, Australia also grappling with a softening labour market and potential Reserve Bank cuts. For more on the topics, we're joined by Kyle Rotter from Capital.com. Great to see you, Kyle. Uh, let's talk about what's happening in the U.S. first, because few people taken aback by the slower than expected fall in U.S. inflation didn't necessarily go up, but the concern was it isn't falling as sharp as many had hoped. Exactly. And perhaps it might be a little stickier than expected. And thanks for having me, of course. Um, the CPI figure last week was more or less in line with a month earlier. We also got some producer price data. So effectively business costs on Friday that was also higher than expected. And it sort of points to perhaps a dynamic called um, that, that many economists will refer to as the last mile problem that, you know, you've got inflation coming down from, say, 8% to 4%. But that last sort of 200 basis points of inflation, so down to 4% to 2%, which is the Fed's target, is going to take basically just as long and potentially with some of the very strong signs of economic activity and maybe uh, demand pressures uh, fueling in inflation in the country, uh, it could be a, slonger, a longer and slower and maybe bumpy journey to that 2% target. So we saw a bit of a re-evaluation from market participants of when the Fed could cut this year. A March cut was as high as 85% at the start of the year. It's down to around a 10% implied probability and a cut's not fully priced into the middle of the year. So really dialing back those expectations of easier Federal Reserve policy. It doesn't surprise too many people, though, that this is the case. I mean, the soft landing that many have been hoping was at complete odds with the recession fears that many have been expecting. Yeah, there's uh, definitely an element to that. And there's a lot of people out there suggesting that there was a level of complacency priced into at least asset markets. A lot of economists were suggesting that, again, if you look at uh, a lot of the other economic indicators in the United States, solid consumer spending, growth that is tracking above trend and looking like it will still be somewhere between 3 and 4% for this quarter, uh, and the labour market's still strong. Um, so you're seeing some of these underlying, sort of again, demand pressures in the economy, and especially um, prices in the services sector, which tends to be a little bit more sensitive to household spending, which household spending is a little bit very, very sensitive to the conditions of the labour market, and wage growth and things like that. That's not coming down as much uh, or as quickly as expected. So there's a fear that, you know, like you alluded to, maybe you need to break something just a little bit to, to get inflation down increase joblessness more, really take a hit to demand uh, to be able to get the job done. Um, again, I think the soft landing narrative is still the one that the markets are settling on, mm. um, but it's starting to come into question just a little bit. And it's such a good point and probably one that a lot of people uh, have been looking at because while the economists have been predicting things would be much worse than what they are, the, the mm. markets look great. Um, a lot of the data looks pretty good as well. But there is the concern that things could heat up again if we start to see uh, inflation do what we want. You almost feel like the Fed Reserve and the RBA in Australia are hoping for a bit more of a prolonged ability to, to soften things so that it doesn't shoot straight back up again. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's a good time to sort of contrast the different sort of situation that we get in um, Australia and, and the United States. And, and also, there's a very significant difference in the way interest rates work between both economies. Now, in Australia, you know, the RBA is a very powerful tool because, you know, obviously, uh, we have very, very high levels of household debt. Most of us are on variable mortgages. So when the RBA adjusts interest rates, it has a pretty quick impact on how much money can be spent in the economy. Whereas in the United States, their mortgage market is different. Uh, interest rate policy works more through what the Fed will refer to as financial conditions, where they become looser or tighter. And it's not quite a uh, as powerful a tool. And the concern is, just like you said, with markets shooting back up again, everyone getting a little bit more confident about interest rate uh, cuts, is that it has this kind of paradoxical impact of loosening financial conditions, which in principle should actually add maybe some upside pressures to inflation, or again, mean that policy isn't restrictive enough to bring inflation down. So you can get that kind of um, contradiction emerging, this sort of um, crossroads potentially for, for Fed policy. Um, and this is you know, some of the things that people are worried about, especially given the fact that we've got, you know, again, stocks at record highs and things of that nature. Yeah, well, let's talk about, as we say, the RBA cuts, the anticipation now that they may happen ahead of the Fed, where it was meant to be the other way around from everything, everything we spoke about last year. Um, why is the Australian economy at a point now where we could be looking at cutting rates uh, faster than the US? Well, sort of juxtapose it. I guess there isn't yet the situation where markets are expecting that to occur. But if you look at sort of the trends, uh, we've seen the first cut from the Fed deferred from March to June. And then uh, with the labour market data that we got uh, last week in Australia, which was softer than expected, we had that first cut from the RBA at the start of the year being towards the end of the year, now towards maybe September uh, or even soon as the uh, July or August meeting. I can't remember. They're on a different schedule now. But the point is, is that we're seeing this kind of um, convergence emerging there. And a lot of that is because, as I alluded to before, with the US economy, uh, GDP data incredibly strong, re uh, consumer uh, activity very strong, the labour market still adding jobs and unemployment rate at a, at a near 50-year low. In Australia, retail sales contracted the last print. GDP is only being held up by population growth. So we're in a per capita recession. And the labour market data, as we've said a few times, are unexpectedly jumped. So the fundamentals are weaker. So that all suggests that, one, the RBA policy may have been much more restrictive because of the um, points that I outlined before is the way RBA policy actually affects the economy. Um, but also on top of that too, is that effectively we're seeing this situation where things are slowing down much quicker in Australia, remaining very resilient in the United States. And we could start to see uh, the markets move yeah. if these trends continue towards pricing in RBA cuts sooner than the US Federal Reserve. All right, here's the thing, Kyle. You and I, if we were having this conversation five years ago, uh, I think we had this conversation nearly five years ago. The labour market five years ago is very different to the labour market of the beginning of 2024. And that is because post-COVID and post all of our friends packing up their houses and moving overseas to uh, much more exciting pastures, um, the problem there being that the labour market isn't normal. It had to cool down a touch because the unemployment rate was so low, which was great if you were looking for a job or a pay rise, terrible if you were an employer trying to find staff and therefore terrible for the Australian economy. Isn't this a case of things just settling back to normal as opposed to being a, a great reason for the US, uh, for, for the uh, uh, RBA to cut rates? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends for, for the RBA on bringing the supply and demand of uh, uh, for, of labor back into balance. And you're absolutely right. I mean, through the pandemic period, there were disruptions. Um, so major labor shortages because of uh, 
disruptions to immigration flows and also, you know, because of work and life patterns uh, as we changed our lifestyles around the pandemic. But, you know, we saw extraordinary amounts of stimulus in the economy, both by monetary policy, but in particular uh, uh, fiscal policy, both here and around the world, which has an impact on our economy too, because it, again, just adds to demand everywhere, especially, say, like the, you know, the kind of extreme levels of uh, stimulus that we saw in the fiscal side in the United States. And all of a sudden, uh, this kind of demand for labour is being sort of wound back. What the RBA is effectively trying to achieve, and this is, this is the trick, is they don't, they don't want to put people out of work, but they just want to create less jobs than is required to keep up with population growth, to see that the unemployment rate ticks higher, and that the labor, uh, the balance between uh, supply and demand in the labour market becomes a little bit more normal. Um, the data that we saw last week suggests that we might be on that path, and that's why people are getting a bit more confident. The counter to that is that, you know, typically we haven't seen inflation come down and that supply and demand balance achieved with some sort of soft landing. Normally it overshoots and creates a bit of a recessionary environment. It's a very narrow path to, to, to borrow um, former Governor uh, RBA Lowe's uh, 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 language. Um, so far, actually so good, but again, it's a very narrow path, very precarious. And like you said, we're dealing with a situation which was uh, up until quite recently rather unusual and caused by both demand and supply shocks stemming from the pandemic. Yeah, let's talk about what's been happening with um, with earnings and, and with some of these big companies that have been reporting. How does the mix start impact market sentiments? Yeah, we've seen a little bit of a sluggishness coming through the market, I think, over the last few weeks, just because earnings have been disappointing. I mean, we haven't seen the lofty valuations here as we have in the United States. And ironically enough, we've actually seen US stocks through their earnings season, which has been going on for the last month, performing a little bit better than expected on this quarter, although off a fairly low base. But I mean, the expectations weren't extraordinarily high locally, but still, if you look at some of those big cap names that we got last week, um, that tend to move the market, CSL and the CBA, both underwhelmed investor uh, expectations, both had a negative impact on sentiment during the week. And especially the CBA's results, I thought was a pretty damning, uh, I guess, assessment of the Australian economy, especially just as an aside too, the CBA share price was at a record high up until about a week ago, pointing to, you know, obviously a slowdown in the economy, net interest margins uh, uh, falling. And I think the most concerning element was warnings that, you know, there is increased financial stress on the horizon for Australian households, which suggests, you know, that um, economic activity domestically might be start to, starting to slow down and quite meaningfully in the year ahead. So again, it's, it's been a bit of a dampener on the mood, and it's probably why we saw stocks pull back from those record highs locally as well, and might start the, the week on sort of a bit of a mixed footing too. All right, let's talk about what's happening in China as well now. Are stocks poised to react following their return from uh, Lunar New Year public holiday? What, what are we expecting? It has been a mess for Chinese stocks so far this year. Yeah, uh, for, for the last few years too, as, as you'd be well aware. So it's, it's still a very um, volatile environment, an uncertain environment, a very risky environment as well. We're looking at a fairly positive open based on futures prices for Chinese markets. Well, over the weekend too, we saw that um, the PBOC injected a little bit more cash into its into its banking system between uh, with with one of its sort of key through one of its key lending mechanisms. So that might also boost sentiment just to start the week. There were a lot of interventions going into Lunar New Year, partially just because markets were becoming unstable and there was a risk of perhaps a bit of a panic emerging in China. The other thing too is that policymakers over there have a habit of making sure that uh, the markets are looking fairly buoyant going into Lunar New Year, or if nothing else, not too negative. Uh, so as we were heading into that holiday, I think they were sort of throwing the kitchen sink, so to speak to try and get asset prices up and kind of cool the nerves. But ultimately what we're still seeing in China at the moment is concerns around uh, the huge leverage in the property sector, instability in its financial markets, and some fairly significant outflows from investors, which effectively China's not trying to reverse the trend in, in, in any of those areas.
areas, but they're just trying to do what they can to, again, limit those kind of panic, um, that potential panic that can emerge in financial markets when things become a little volatile. So it looks like we'll have a positive start to the week, but the problems haven't disappeared. So you'll probably you'd want to assure that things are going to still remain fairly volatile from here in, in Chinese asset markets. What does it mean for the rest of the world when China's having these issues? Well, there's two. One, there's a systemic risk to the financial system, which I think is what everyone's really kind of worried about because, again, these things are sort of non-linear in the way that they work. And that's to say, if you get some kind of panic because all of this money is rushing out of the market, people are forced to sell under duress conditions and asset prices start to plummet. And that can have cascade effects, especially because a lot of debt is tied to the value of these assets. If people have to start to sell those assets to pay off these debt obligations or because they have to cover margin, again, you get these kind of you know calamitous situations in financial markets, these panics. That's one side of things. The other side is that China is simply slowing down as it tries to uh, restructure its economy. Um, and this is part of, I think, what's going on at the moment is that China's not trying to run counter-cyclical policy from a fiscal or monetary point of view, like they did in the middle of the 2010s or after the GFC. They're actually trying to just keep things stable as they deal with the decoupling from the rest of the world. That's because of trade um, wars and things of that nature, try to modernise their economy so they're a little bit more consumer-based um, uh, uh, rather than de dependent on exports. And again, move some of that extraordinary, mm. extraordinary leverage out of the financial mm. system. So as they do that, they're dealing with or wanting to put up with uh, or willing to tolerate a much lower level of growth, and that's uh, a drag on the global economy. Um, so that's, that's really how it impacts things. All right, you've done a great job of explaining as always. Carl Rotter from Capital.com, thanks for dropping by. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. You're watching Ticker after the break. Best of business with Ticker Insights. See you soon. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.